morning. I greet you too in the name of Jesus, our High Priest. And I too want to welcome all the visitors here this morning. It's good to have you here with us. As you know, we I just completed preaching through a sermon series last time, and when you come through a subject like that, my, your thoughts are continually going ahead to the, the following sermons, to the one you're preaching, and it's your mind is continually working ahead, but when that comes to an end, it just seems like there's a complete stop, and where do we go now? But God has a way to to bring things, and this time it's through my own experience with the combination of some devotionals that I've read through the last week. And it makes me a little uneasy to, to use my own experiences, but to give you the the uh, concept of where I want to go, it's, it's, it's needful to do that, and it, but it also exposes my carnality and humanity as I, as I do that. <clears throat> and I don't know if anybody else will be able to relate or not, or if it'll be, you can sit and shake your head if it just can't identify with it. <clears throat> So the last few months, as everybody well knows, it's been very dry. Um, we've been at the verge of a drought, and I heard some conversation that you know some crops might be beyond return, or the yield might be very low if it does give some. <clears throat> In our gardens, needed water just the same. And we have a, a slow recovery well, so it doesn't take long to pull it down. And it's a slow recovery, so we do very little watering, so we don't ruin it. <clears throat> and our grass was to the point that it was it was getting crunchy as you walked on it. I don't know if it was worse than anybody here or not, but it was just very dry. I don't know how it was at your house these last weeks, but in ours there was a lot of watching the weather, looking at extended forecasts, watching the radar, just to see if maybe that band of rain that is out to the northwest will make it to our place before it breaks up. But for weeks these storms did not seem to make it to Stacyville. And I could almost convince myself that God, for some reason, was drawing a line and splitting the storms right there. And he had a reason that we weren't getting rain. And some of the storms that would develop would give us a good percentage of, of rain, forecast of rain. And like I said before, you would... As it came in, you'd see it split and go to nothing. Sometimes north of us they get some, south of us they get some, and 
even get these thoughts that God's showing special favor to our friends in the north or south. And the children would happily explain that the rain is coming. You know, the radar is lying right up for us. And I found myself making comments like, it'll break up before it gets to us, or it'll go around us, getting very negative about this forecast. It's uh, about a week ago, we had a devotional title, Blooming in Our Corner. And I'm going to take the time to read some of that. It it hit uh, pretty close home. So as we go through our daily routine, our human tendency is to think that the next person has a better life. We're inclined to feel that if this or that were improved, we would be satisfied. The grass is greener. Ouch. On the other side of the fence, as the saying goes. We somehow feel that we're missing out. This is a rather short-sighted mentality. Blooming in our corners is what God wants us to do. Life is meant for living here and today. Let's not wait until the new house is built. There again, hit very close home. Or the garden yields a bumper crop. Again. And we feel perfectly healthy or have more money. Let's not allow any excuse to hinder us. And he goes on, the last paragraph, how can we cultivate a positive outlook on life? Is it not by the attitude of gratitude? In everything give thanks, First Thessalonians 5.18. Being thankful is an excellent antidote to whining and pining. So let's endeavor to bloom where we are and to bless every soul we meet. Let us do good without respect to persons and serve regardless of circumstances. Building on the example of Jesus, the perfect servant. <clears throat> now I doubt that John Rob from Nebraska had any idea how that devotional would affect me at the right time, nor that it would bring a, a sermon. But the title of our message this morning is An Attitude of Gratitude. And a question I have, we'll look at it later, is am I a happy person or am I a grateful person? And it didn't immediately hit me as I went through the week. I kept pondering these thoughts and asking the question, what was giving me these feelings? Did I feel like I had a special favor of God or deserved it? How was this going to affect our lives? Grass doesn't look as nice. The garden does not, maybe wouldn't give its full potential. May need to buy more than we normally would. If I looked at the bigger picture, if our farmer friends have a tough year and don't get their needed crops of the year, it could change our local economy. For those of us that are supported largely by the ag industry, it might mean a, a slower year at work. Why did this have such a negative impact on me? Now, God promised seed time and harvest till he returns, but he never promised that every area, every year would get a bumper crop. 
In our human thinking, we get to the place that we want our lives to never change. Whether farming or other trades we're in, it's like we expect to have one good year after the next so that our plans are not interrupted. And our happiness can depend on that. And the scripture reading with this devotional was from 2 Kings chapter 5. It was the story of uh, the little maid that was carried away captive into the far country. And she found herself in a home of one of the high-ranking military men serving, serving, uh, it was uh, Naaman, and he was, she found herself serving his wife. And she, she noticed that her mistress was sad. And she heard that the reason was that her husband Naaman had leprosy. And she didn't, she did not allow bitterness or resentment to control her in her response and what she did there. Instead of thinking that that serves him right for capturing her, taking her away from her home, she went to her mistress and made the suggestion that if only Naaman could go and back to her country and see the prophet back that God the prophet of God back near her home <clears throat> and he would heal him she had a, de- a sincere desire to see her captor heal the one that had brought so much pain and the separation from her family And I was, I was so wrapped up in my own feelings and circumstances that I, I wasn't even grateful for the blessing of rain that others received. We were working down south a ways and there was, there was uh, a little rumbling in the distance. We were working outside. And I looked at the radar and there's just these little specks. And Normally, not a concern. But two or three times we had to go inside, get cover, or we would have got soaked. They got a downpour that lasted just a few minutes, and everything got soaked. And I found myself going down the same path of thinking this, this happens where we're trying to work, and it's still dry at home. As I was looking out the door and watching this beautiful rain watering this this uh, dry area we were in, and I knew I didn't have that attitude of gratitude. I was beginning to see myself responding like Jonah, sitting under a plant, whining and pining, and completely missing the miracle that had just happened, where a whole city was saved because of their repentance. <clears throat> was it different than happiness? And as I as I kept thinking these thoughts and I started trying to think of the what gratitude really is. And the few things that I thought of, um, one was 
I'm sure most of us get the CAM newsletter. And there's almost always a picture of someone receiving a food parcel from a CAM associate. And there's a joy on their their face that you can you can read. It it's a, it looks like a, a happiness that that they have this food, but it's their words that I thought of. Most times they will thank God first for His goodness, and then they will tell the CAM worker to thank the people in the United States for their willingness to share what God has given them. And I don't know how much these people know about how we have it here in the States, but we have so much compared to them, yet this is not their focus. They are so grateful that God has blessed them in this way, they don't appear at all to resent or, or to be better in the situation that they find themselves in. And, and this is where happiness and gratefulness are different. There, I'm sure there's a level of happiness that these people experience when they receive that food. <clears throat> but if that's all they had, it would be very fleeting because of the conditions that they live in would take it away very quickly. But the gratitude they have to God and what He did through them, through Jesus, is just like the maid could look beyond her circumstances and see God working. And from that flows an attitude of gratitude. Things are way out of their control, but the joy on their faces speaks what's inside of them. Happiness is a, a feeling, showing a pleasure or contentment. And it often comes from something that took place that gives us this good feeling. And at the same time, I would say that some of these moments of happiness are things that will lead to lasting gratitude. Not all happiness is uh, is outside of gratitude. But happiness in itself can be very fleeting. If our goal in life are to experience these moments of happiness that give us pleasure and contentment, you will find yourself on a roller coaster ride. You will plan your life to experience these moments and then it will be over. And again, I don't think this is what we see on the faces of these these food recipients. <clears throat> Gratefulness is showing an appreciation of kindness and thankful. It's also a feeling, but it comes from a different source. It's an appreciative attitude for what one has received. Grateful indicates a warm or deep appreciation of personal kindness as shown to one grateful for favors. And like I said, gratefulness is, is a feeling, but it's more than that. It's an attitude, and it can also be a lifestyle. <clears throat> if it's part of who we are, 
It will not be fleeting or dependent on our circumstances, but our circumstances will most likely expose this attitude. And where does it start? And this is where we can tie this message with the message series that we just completed. A heart of gratitude begins with our relationship with God and the feelings that we have towards Him for what He did for us through Jesus and that He loved us so much that He sent Jesus to die for us. And through that, we can avoid eternal destruction and look forward to a wonderful life in heaven with Him. And it is this deep appreciation that we have towards God that we live that we can live in this world and have this peace that we can be found anywhere but through Him. And this is not the only place that we can experience gratitude, but it is the foundation to living a life that exudes gratefulness. And again, the food recipient first expressed greatness to God and then to their brothers and sisters in these other, other countries that they don't even know. <clears throat> no trace of bitterness or resentment that their circumstances are less desirable than ours, but thanking God for what they have and what they were given. I thought of the martyrs that went to the stake and into the Colosseum to await the lions, singing hymns and praising God. There's no amount of happiness that will give you pleasure or contentment to do this. But when you experience the deep appreciation and gratitude towards God, it will take you places that you could never go by yourself. Not bitter about the situation, but singing praises. The things I talked about in my life are just, at the beginning, are just one thing. And this can go in many different directions. You may have your own things that may be negative in your life, that are pulling you down, that are, that are taking away this gratefulness that should be part of, of the Christian life. And each of us are required to live where God plants us. And we have the choice to become bitter and drying up or blooming where we are planted and showing beautiful colors as we face the storms. Turn with me to Job 13 for a few verses. <clears throat> Job 13, 15 to 22. He says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. He also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Hear diligently my speech and my declaration with your ears. Behold, now I have ordered my cause. I know that I shall be justified. Who is he that will plead with me? For now if I hold my tongue... I shall give up the ghost. Only do not two things unto me, and then will I not hide myself from thee. Withdraw thine hand far from me, and let not thy dread make me afraid. 
Then call thou, and I will answer, and let me speak, and answer without me. <clears throat> From what we know, Job was probably the, the richest person of that time. Many blessings. God had blessed him abundantly. The family, animals. And I'm sure he experienced a lot of happiness through this as God blessed him. But as we read through the book of Job, we know that it went deeper than that. And through this this reading that we have here, most of the book of Job, we see Job experiencing was probably the worst days of his life. And even his wife told him to curse God and die. Job 2, 9 and 10. Then said his wife unto him, Thou... Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall not receive evil? In all this did not God sin with his lips. And then going to our reading in verse 15. We have Job saying that even if God chose to take his life, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job knew that that God was the giver and the one that took away all these blessings that he had. And he was willing to keep his trust in him, even though he had stripped him of everything he had. And even if he would take his life, he would trust him. And as he looked to God for his salvation, and he recognized that no hypocrite would come before God, but he was confident that his words were truth, and God was not punishing because of sin in his life. And when I jump down to verse 20, we have Job talking directly to God, and he has these, these two requests, two specific things that he didn't want God to do. Otherwise, it appears like he would just give up. Verse 20, Only do not two things unto me, then I will not hide myself from thee. And verse 21, Do not withdraw thy hand from me. And again, do not let the dread make me afraid. In a commentary's thought here, this shows that at least in small sense, Job understood that God's hand was sustaining him in the midst of this great trial. And we understand this feeling of abandonment, yet yet Job can grudgingly admit that God's hand has seen him in the fire of affliction. If we look at verse 20 there, or 21, we can see that even in his darkest days, Job could still feel the hand of God holding him, holding him above all these things that were plaguing him. Even though God stripped everything away from him, he could feel the hand of God with him. And he also asked God not to have a dreaded fear towards him, which was a a fear, and it wasn't the proper fear of God, but it was a dread. And he, he wanted to have this, this, this right fear. 
And and a thought that was given here is the wrong kind of fear of God is afraid that God will hurt us. The right kind is afraid that we will hurt God. And he wanted to maintain that that right fear, that right relationship with God. He said if God would remove his hand and if he would have this, this dreaded fear of God, he would hide himself. He would sink to despair. He would lose that connection that God, and he would just give up living, as he said in a verse earlier, that he would just give up the ghost. <clears throat> Hebrews twelve twenty eight. Wherefore, we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. And I think Job gave us a key to these few circumstances that that we looked at where people were facing um, these bad circumstances and they went to them with uh, prayer and praise, songs and praise. And this does not mean that we will never experience pain. Pain that goes so deep that I'm sure some of you could say there are no words to describe it. Darkness that if you couldn't feel the hand of God holding you, you would hide yourself, as Job said. And it's from witnessing friends and the things they went through in their dark times and that they come through with a heart of gratefulness to God that inspired me in this subject and also the next thought. An attitude of gratitude is a great a great witness to those watching. We have the story in Acts 16 of the uh, jailer coming to salvation. And what took place that this happened? It's because of Paul and Silas singing and praying in the prison in the middle of the night. I had this lesson when I taught intermediate a few years back, and the thought was given that this was very likely very poor conditions in this prison. You know, sometimes we can read over these verses, and we we just get a mental picture of a sitting in a warm, dry cell for the night. But it was most likely very damp, possibly wet and dirty place. <clears throat> And they they told us to picture Paul and Silas sitting on a damp floor with their feet in the stocks, which would elevate their legs. I don't know how high. But you can picture yourself sitting in stocks with your, your legs elevated. So for them, it was either to lay down on the dirty floor with open wounds on their backs from the whippings or sit up over center to stay upright, which would stretch and put tension on those same wounds. There was nothing to be happy about for Paul and Silas. But they still had a lot to be thankful for. And they broke out in prayer and singing. And we have no reason to doubt that this was the reason the jailer asked them later, what must I do to be saved? Hebrews 13:15 By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips 
giving thanks to his name. We have the story of the woman that anointed and washed the feet of Jesus with her hair. An outpouring of gratitude that was inside of her for what Jesus did for her. And was a testimony to the others that were in the house. And Jesus said specifically that that story would continue to be told. Turn to Philippians 4. This was a devotional reading a couple days after the, the devotion I started with. I think God was preparing this through devotionals. Now I want to look at uh, some of these verses on how we can lose this gratitude and how we can keep it. I'll be reading Philippians 4, 4 to 13. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful that ye, lock, that ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. In the setting of, of this, this chapter, this book, is Paul sitting in a prison writing to a church that was being persecuted. There wasn't a lot there to rejoice about. But this first verse that I read, he instructs them to rejoice twice. And rejoicing is an outward expression of joy that is within us. If we have no joy in our lives, how personal is our relationship with Christ? Is what Jesus did for me the most important thing that ever happened to me, or why will I allow my circumstances to take away that joy? One writer said it this way, and I didn't get a name. In not being dependent on the fickle applause of the world for our comfort, the man who has no internal resources 
and who has no approving conscience, who is happy only when others smile and miserable when they frown, is a man who can have no security for enjoyment. The man who has a good conscience and who enjoys the favor of God and the hope of heaven carries with him the source of perpetual joy. He cannot be deprived of it. His purse may be taken, his house robbed, but the highwayman cannot rob him of his comforts. He carries with him an unfailing source of, unfailing source of happiness when abroad. The same source of happiness abides with him at home. He bears it into society, and it remains with him in solitude. It, it, it is his companion when in health, and when surrounded by his friends. And it is no less his companion when his friends leave him, and when he lies on his bed of death. <clears throat> A joy that goes with us everywhere. And Paul, sitting in prison, waiting on his trial, writes this. And later in verse 9, he tells them to do what they saw him doing. He did not have an easy life, but he had reasons to be grateful and rejoice. Apparently, this was visible to those who knew him. It goes on in verse 5, to let your moderation be known unto all men. That the Lord is at hand. The fruit of a grateful and joyful person. Being patient, the word moderation would have the thought of patience, being gracious, showing mercy to everyone we come in contact with, to all men. Why? Because the Lord is near. He sees everything we do. And because of our gratefulness for what he did for us, we will imitate his life. And we can't have sweet water and bitter water coming out of us, depending who we are around. That comes from a life patterned after our sinful nature rather than the life of Jesus. <clears throat> we should be more concerned about Christ being near and about other people and who sees us or hears us. Be careful for nothing, verse 6, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This word careful and, uh, has a thought of anxious, worried, fearful, and this can be a hard one, at least it can be for me, and this has the potential to take away gratitude, if anything does. There are so many things ahead in the future that we don't understand, we don't have answers for. So many unknowns, how things are going to work out. And these anxieties consume, can consume our thoughts and take away these other things that we just looked at. <clears throat> it can cause us to lose our joy. It can become quiet and solemn. It can cause us to lose our Christ-like actions and this patience that Paul said we should have. Neil Anderson wrote this, Fear and faith cannot coexist in our hearts at the same time. So choose, choose faith over fear. 
And Paul tells us to take these things to God. But do it with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. You know, it's easy easy for us to take our fears to God and ask Him to take them away. And we can be very self-focused as we do this. And, and basically, we're telling God how we think our life should be and how what we would like to see. And, there, and there's nothing wrong with going to Him with these things, but instead, our communication with God should first be worship and communion with Him and with thanksgiving. It's, it's with this attitude of gratitude that we take our requests to Him. And like I said, it's never wrong to take our fears, our anxieties, our cares, but it should be more about His gratefulness and His goodness to Him than what we want Him to change in our lives so life can be easier. Number seven, that the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. <clears throat> this is a peace that is that brings a calmness, an undisturbing state of mind resulting from the insurance of safety. And it exists even in the severest persecution, even unto, unto death. Going back to the martyrs, being able to for, have prayer and singing hymns as they face their persecution. It's because of the peace that they had within them. <clears throat> and it's from the verses before that we looked at, that because of these things, if we have these things, that we can experience this peace of God that passes all understanding. And it cannot be understood unless you have a relationship with Him. And it's this peace that keeps your heart and mind. It takes away those anxieties, those fears that threaten to take away this peace. And through Christ Jesus, it'll keep our hearts and minds toward looking toward Him, the source of our gratitude, Jesus, our Redeemer. In verse 8, He gives these list of uh, things that we should be thinking on. You know, negative thoughts are, and words are very powerful. They will keep you from noticing God's blessings, just as I mentioned in my earlier experience. If I'm negative, I will not be grateful. When I live on the dark side of life, I have a difficult time living out the things that we looked at in these previous verses. Instead of being consumed by anxieties, Paul encourages them to think about these things. And he tends to say, you know, this is how your speech should be. We said, think, this is what your thoughts should be. This is what is controlling your mind, should be controlling your mind when you're alone. Are the things you're thinking true? Are your thoughts honest? Are they just? Are they pure, lovely? Does it have a good report? Does it have virtue? Does it have praise? Is it praiseworthy? And I think we could call this silent worship. 
Then the following verses 11 through 13, Paul is goes on to praise the, the church of Philippi for taking care of his needs. He says, Not to speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. And he goes on to say that he knows how to be abased, I know how to abound. And everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And he ends with, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And the verse, the word content here in verse 11, again, has more meaning than content or happiness of being happy. He goes on in verse 12, saying all the things that he experienced. He knows what it's like to prosper. He knows what it's like to have needs. He knew the blessing of having sufficient food, and he also knew how it was to be hungry from the lack of food. But in verse 13, he said he learned to be content or grateful in every circumstance that he faced. And it was not on his own strength. And in, in verse 13, he gives us that the secret to gratitude is a gift. It is the gift of Christ Jesus. And it is through His strength that Paul could be content in every situation. Many of his situations that were very undesirable. And this was the secret for Paul and Silas singing in the prison. And this was the secret for the martyrs being able to sing on the way to the stake. And this is the only way that we can have an attitude of gratitude in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And this morning's message is not about the things that brought me to this message, but it is an encouragement for us to look beyond our circumstances to where our joy comes from. If we are looking for happiness in our circumstances, we will often be disappointed. But if we focus on the gratitude Towards our Redeemer, we will always feel the hand of God in every situation that we find ourselves in. As Job recorded there in in uh, chapter 13. <clears throat> I'll close with 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you.